Hi, everybody. It's Jack Graham and John Peterson with our 14th, number 14 already. I know. Can you believe that, Jack? 14. 14 uh, version of We Talk Photo, which is our podcast that we have brought uh, to you folks that has everything to do with uh, landscape and nature and travel photography and uh, we have a great list looking ahead of us of, of, of great guests over the next few months. And today, um, we have one of my oldest friends in the business, uh, Mr. Mike Boats, who's coming to you from Sterling, Michigan. Mike, you're still in Sterling, right? Sterling Heights. Sterling Heights. Sterling Heights. Well, welcome to the show, Mike. Well, thank you. I'm honored to be on. Thanks well, a lot. He is, uh, Mike, Mike is not only a... A, a really good friend you know we don't kind of talk every day or every week but we kind of always know where we can find each other if we need to share something or have a few laughs or whatever yeah. um whenever and, we get some free time yeah we go back judge just so you know you for for you and in the, in, the, in, the, in the audience here mike and i go back and i don't even want to think mike it's got to be um early 2000s probably right um yep Yep, naturephotographers.net. Uh, yep, and we got to be good friends on there, and that was also uh, guys like Mark Adamus was hanging there at the time, and mm-hmm. and Guy, you know, and it was a who's who of uh, really good photographers. I don't know what they're doing now, probably not even around, but um, so Mike and I got to be good friends, and Mike uh, was in the at that time in the art show business more than the workshop business. And I'm going to let Mike tell you about that, but he came down to Ohio when we lived in Northern Ohio and, uh, you know, my blog, I just realized it was a 10 or 11 years old last year when I did a blog entry and that blog started in the kitchen. Thanks to Mike. Mike was up on that business. He goes, Jack, you have to have a blog. And I said, I don't want to do a blog. Well, Mike told me why it was important, and he was 100% correct. And I think we also did Facebook at the same time. I had no idea about Facebook. It's not, yeah. you got to be on Facebook. It's marketing. Back in the day. Back in the day. Um, anyway, Mike, it's great to have you, and uh, we're going to talk about a few um, interesting topics, I hope, and, <laughs> and what you're up to and sure. all that stuff. But. Um, well, just just history wise, we just give us a little history on on you and the nature photography world, would you? Yeah, I um, I'd always been addicted to outdoor activities, anything outdoors, and so I was actually into mountaineering for a few years, and went out in two thousand one to uh, climb on Mount Rainier, which you're familiar with because you live by it, right? Yeah, I look at it every morning. Yeah. So uh, on the way back on the plane ride, on the way back from Mount Rainier, I was thinking about looking into uh, something different, anything outdoorsy uh, that would, um, you know, be a fun thing to do. And and I remembered all the training at one of the local parks in the mountain bike trails where I trained for that Mount Rainier trip, uh, seeing all kinds of interesting things. And I thought, you know, it would be kind of cool to take pictures of this stuff. So when I got back um, uh, uh, from Rainier, I, I bought a book from John Shaw, which you're friends with, Jack. Yep. Uh, John Shaw on nature photography, and I 
uh, went through and looked at all the equipment that I needed to purchase. And I went on to eBay and I bought all the equipment that John had suggested. I bought some uh, Velvia slide film, which which yep. all the people were using, mm-hmm. and, and went out to the local parks and started shooting. And that's kind of where it started. Uh, and then three years later in 2004, uh, I started to uh, get some things published in magazines and I started the art shows. and. And uh, and then I realized the art show business was was a good business, and there were a lot of people actually making a living in the art show business. Uh, they would do all the shows up in the Midwest in the summertime, and then in the wintertime they'd go down to Florida, maybe out to Arizona, and they'd spend their winters down there doing art shows. Um, and, and I just did the summertime shows up here in the Midwest, and I didn't want to travel down to Florida to do them, so I stayed up here. And the problem was is what do I do in the wintertime? Well, that's how my workshop started. Um, so the workshops continued, uh, to today and the art shows, I've been out of that for about six years now, partly due to the fact that the sales had been just declining due to the fact that you had Ikea and at home and home goods and Kirtland and, and, uh, Walmart selling gallery wraps for a fraction of what we were selling them in the art shows and it just killed our business. And so I got out of that, but the workshops have been doing real well for me and that's what I continue to do today. Yep. And uh, folks, if you don't know, Mike and I actually ran a couple of workshops together, John, back <laughs> back in the day, called uh, Macro and More. And of course, you know, Mike was macro and I was more. Um, and we uh, had, I think we had one group in the gorge. Mike, remember, it was about 95 degrees. And yeah, yeah, I think about 10, 15 people there. And uh, yep. the bugs were horrible. And and uh, I, I got Mike up at three or four in the morning to do sunrises, and we were up at midnight restocking the water. And yeah. I, Mike learned very early that that was not anything he wanted to do for the rest <laughs> of his life. No, I, I, I cannot understand how people, uh, workshop leaders, can do landscape photography, especially this time of year in the summer when the days are so long. Long days. Yeah, we're getting in at 1 o'clock in the morning, getting up at 3 o'clock to go out again. It's like, are you nuts? This is crazy. Yeah, but then, you know, Mike, in the winter, when I go to, when I go to Iceland and Norway, it's, yeah. it's dark at 4 o'clock, and it gets light at 10 o'clock. So, yeah, so you get a we, decent amount of sleep. You know, we sleep in the winter. We're like we're like bears, you know. We, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. hibernate. To it. Anyhow, um, but we had a lot of fun doing those, and I kid Mike to this day. I, I actually have a picture of Mike taking a landscape photograph. <laughs> and if he, ever, if he ever gets me angry, and I'm going to publish that, and that'll be the end of Mike's career. So. Yeah. Blackmail. Yeah. yeah. So, Mike, Mike, let me ask you. So, you know, you're you're very famous for your uh, for your macro work, and and obviously the hours of macro can be a lot better than landscape photography. But what is yeah. it? Why macro? Why did what what pulls you in that direction? Okay. So, how that happened was uh, I, I was doing a little bit of macro in that between 2001 when I started in 2004. But in 2004, I went to Yosemite because I still wanted to be a landscape photographer. I went to Yosemite and I was competing for tripod space with about 50, 60 other photographers trying to shoot the same scene. And on that evening, it kind of hit me that I thought, you know what, I don't even have any desire to shoot this now because look at all these people shooting the exact same thing. And this goes on in that same spot 365 days a year. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so I. Today. Huh? That same shot's still being made today. 
Oh yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. It's, it'll go on forever. And yeah. so what I realized is that I, I didn't want to shoot images that everybody else had. I wanted my own originals. And what I found was that in macro photography, everything that I shoot when I go out to the local parks, uh, it, it, after I photographed it, it gets erased by the environment. It no longer exists. So it's an original image. Nobody else has that image. And so that was important to me. And, and plus, I'm really kind of just getting tired of the national parks. I've been to about 10 or 11 of them, and they're just so crowded. I just, you know, to me, being out in nature is about being in nature, not being around, you know, hundreds of people. Um, so I kind of lost interest in the landscape part of it. And the other problem, too, is that when, you know, I was only able to travel a couple weeks a year because I had my own painting company, uh, and I wasn't able to get out. And, and travel as much as I would like to as a landscape photographer. And when I was at home living north of Detroit, I mean, all we have is flat, flat farmland here, and there's some parks and some lakes and that. But, I mean, there were, you, you run out of landscape pretty quick to photograph. So with macro, I can do this 365 days a year, and, and if it's too hot or too cold outside, I can do it in my house. Yeah, so even at the, at the kitchen table. Yeah, it just gave me more opportunity to shoot. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to invest all my time and try to be the best at macro photography. And, and you, I think you've done that. Yes. Okay. And I'm not just saying that because Mike and I go back. I, his work is, if anybody has not seen it, um, make sure you do because Mike's uh, work is phenomenal. It's yeah, really- thanks, Jack. And I, and I want to do point out, too, and you know this, Jack, and, and, and John, but I'm not really a macro photographer. I'm a close-up photographer. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people, you know, not a lot, but a few people get upset because I call myself a macro photographer, and really I'm not doing true one-to-one macro photography. No. Um, but we kind of just, most people just consider when you're shooting small areas, they just kind of lump it under the term macro photography. But, it's kind of turned yeah, into a generic, generic term yeah. for close-up exactly. stuff. Exactly. Well, one of the things that gets me angry is that there's manufacturers making lenses that they are calling macro lenses. Yes. And not macro lenses. They're not yeah. one-to-one. They're exactly. close-up lenses. Yeah, so even the even the industry doesn't really classify macro, the term, as only being one-to-one or higher magnification. Right. Yeah. For, for people who don't know, John, I mean, uh, Mike, uh, explain the one-to-one concept, would you? Yeah, when you're shooting in the minimum focusing distance of a macro lens, so it could be 11 inches or whatever, and that's from the sensor to the subject, not the front of the lens. A lot of people think it's from the front of the lens. But when you're in the one-to-one, you're reproducing the actual size of what you're focused on and you've framed up. You're actually reproducing the actual life size of that subject onto your sensor. You know, back in the days, it was a 35-millimeter, you know, slide that they or a right. film that they, they based it on. And so you're reproducing the actual size of that subject onto your sensor at that one-to-one uh, ratio. Uh, and if you go into two-to-one, three-to-one, four-to-one, which gets into higher magnifications, that's all in that, that macro classification. Once you go outside of that one-to-one and you're shooting larger areas uh, than what you can produce at one-to-one, then that's considered close-up photography. So most, I would say 95% of what I have on my website is close-up. It's not technically macro. And I can take you to a lot of macro photographers' websites and and show you that 
very few of their their images are actually true one to one because uh, you're covering an area seven eighths of an inch by an inch and three eighths when you're shooting one to one because I've got in that into the minimum focus it is and then measured what I shot and that's what it was seven eighths of an inch by an inch and three eighths and 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 anything you shoot large subjects we may pull out in that small of an area you're really shooting an abstract now you can't even tell what it is right um the only thing you can really shoot in in true macro is what you typically see are people shooting little bugs and stuff that are small enough to fit in that that small area where you can identify the subject so most of us are not really uh i would say majority of people that call themselves macro photographers are not really shooting true one-to-one consistently they might have a few images that are in the one-to-one but most of them are shooting outside of one-to-one there's a lot of lenses that are you know uh, primes that you know have really close focusing ability and yeah you don't need a macro lens you, you can shoot close-up stuff with a 200 millimeter lens or three. oh yeah exactly mm-hmm. and a lot of these new zoom lenses that are coming out all have macro capabilities they're called and uh, they'll shoot my uh, 18 to 400 tamron will shoot down to uh, two inches by three inches Ninety percent wow. of what I shoot. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, the, the the funny thing about close up photography is that it's not it's not as easy as people think because when when you're working that close, all the nuances and all the all the things that come into play are magnified. And, oh yeah, big time. <laughs> and, and, and 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 it it's tough. You know, you think something's not moving until you look at it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, it takes a it takes a a lot of patience, uh, and it's it's Mike's website is appropriately called Tiny Landscapes. Yeah, that's exactly what a close up photograph is. Yeah, yeah. I had a guy one time on my uh, website or on my blog. He said, "Yeah, he goes, you're you're not shooting tiny la- you're not shooting tiny landscapes. That's a ridiculous term, you know." And I says, "Well, if you were a little ant or a little bug." That would be your landscape. So I'm shooting <laughs> tiny landscapes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So Mike, maybe it's not a landscape to you and me, but to a little tiny bug or critter, it's a landscape. <laughs> oh, for sure. So, uh, what would you? How would you describe your style to somebody? I mean, you're, all your images are beautiful. You shoot a variety of different subjects, from leaves, flowers, abstracts, non-natural items. But what? You have a style that permeates all of your images. How would you describe that to somebody? Well, the one thing that I found by analyzing images that I've had that won in contests and sold really well in the art shows, and, and anytime somebody needed an image, they always picked these what I call two-subject compositions. It was a main subject and a background subject. It was a real simple concept. And I, I just started doing it by accident, but I found that all the success that I was having was from these two-subject compositions. So it has a main subject that's easily identifiable and people can connect to, and then it's got an interesting background behind it. It's just so it's so simple. Uh, and, and it's, like I said, it's what's created most of my success is these things. Uh, and also the fact that it's all in focus, top to bottom, side to side. A lot of macro photographers think that you have to shoot in the smallest f-stop so you get this shallow depth of field and all that, which is a style that's popular and does well. But what I had, all the success that I saw was coming through images that were everything was in focus. Say within the art show business, people didn't want images that were half in focus, half out of focus. They wanted them all in focus. Mm -hmm. And and they didn't understand why you'd have an image that wasn't all in focus. Yeah. It's not sharp. It goes in the trash. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so that's that's uh, the style I I've done best with is where I shoot everything in focus, and that's the easiest thing to do. Cripe, you can. It's so easy. You can just put it on on automatic and get everything in focus. You can do that with a cell phone or a point and shoot or whatever. Um, you don't need any special you know equipment to to shoot an image and get it all in focus. Yeah. Harder much harder to do is soft focus flowers and soft focus subjects where you're getting little just little sections of an image in focus and blurring out the rest of it and trying to get that blur to work well with a little bit in focus and that's much more difficult to do yeah. uh, but it's easy to shoot everything in focus do you do you focus stack at all with with your shots no because when i shoot at a high f-stops uh you know 32 or or whatever yours goes up to uh i get i get all the depth of field i need Excellent. um so i can do it with one shot rather than having to do it with multiple shots and focus stacking going through that hassle um the other thing is um focus stacking outside is difficult because of the wind yes you got to deal with wind every day it's it's, every it's day. The hardest part of our, our of of what i do is is wind and that's a big struggle for me. That's why I'm not real into doing field workshops because I had too many problems with the wind. So focus stacking is almost impossible. Mike, what is your model, um, your workshop model? Is it? You just mentioned that you don't do a lot of field stuff. So let's tell everybody what your your model is. Yeah, well, you know what? In the very beginning, back in like that 2004, 2005, Um, When I started to do local workshops in southeast Michigan where I live, uh, I had to cancel like six of them because it was like 15-mile-an-hour winds when I get up in the morning. And so I I started to realize that, you know, if I'm going to continue to do workshops, i got to come up with something different uh, than a a field workshop because of the fact that I was canceling too many of them because it was too windy all the time. And so I come up with this hotel conference room workshop where – uh, I, I rent a room in a, in a hotel, uh, set up a projector, and I do a lecture. It's usually about six hours of lecture. And then I have um, uh, subjects that I set up on tabletop, and we photograph right there in the conference room. And that's, you know, where I started doing the uh, – when I started doing those conferences or those workshops in, in indoors, uh, I was able to also put in a lot more people because – uh, when you're doing a field workshop, it's really tough when you're doing macro uh, because if you find some really good subject and you got 10 people in the workshop, they all can't shoot it at the same time. <laughs> so you'd have to rotate them in there to get everybody to get that shot. It would take you a long time. And then in the meantime, everybody's standing around twiddling their thumbs. So with the indoor workshop, I could fit 25 people into a you know 1,200-square-foot classroom uh, and, and be able to shoot and do lecture and all that. And so... I was able to keep the cost down on my workshops by having 25 people opposed to like a lot of workshop leaders that would go out with six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10. Um, so that kept the cost down and that helped a lot at filling these workshops up. And so I'd done those for quite a few years and, and those have been real successful. Um, but it was just mainly because I was having so much issues when I was outside shooting. And I just did the one that we had talked about, Jack, on Madeline Island last month. It's right. a five-day workshop and you're outside shooting. And it was the same issue. Uh, you know, things are blown all over the place, and it was very difficult for people to shoot. Um, but, you know, once you get everybody there and you're there, there's not much you can do. <laughs> you got to go out and shoot something. So they yeah. did the best they could, and they, they got some good images. But there was it was it's a struggle with macro. It's not like landscape where you can line them up in a row 
and you say, hey, there's the mountain out there five miles away. Just go ahead and set your f-stop to this and photograph it, and the wind doesn't seem to bother the mountain at all. Uh, nice. But in, in macro, it's much more difficult trying to do, do a, a big group of people uh, outside. And one of the things I, you know, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not a uh, close-up photographer. I mean, I do a lot of it. I enjoy it, but I'm not anywhere near Mike's level. But um, sometimes when it's windy, you can use the wind as a as an advantage if you want it to make kind of an abstract creative. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and I've done that where, you know, you get flowers blowing back and forth and you photograph them at a slow speed so you get this kind of slow motion look of the flowers moving around. Right. So, yeah, it's an abstract. And I do like abstracts. I love shooting abstracts. So, yeah, that fits into that category. Yeah. Where, it, where, I, I think I know the answer to this, but I, I want everybody to hear it. Where is your favorite place to photograph? My favorite place is the local parks near my house. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, because I know those areas really well. It, it's amazing, um, Mike, to me. Uh, I have attendees who will come out from the Midwest or the South or the East, and they'll come out here to the West and go, oh, you guys are so lucky. Everything's right here. You get out of your car. There's a photograph. And, boy, you're, 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 and I tell them, I said, you know, I have to tell you, within five miles of your house, there's great stuff to shoot. You just need to find it. Yeah. You know? And with macro, it's right in my backyard. <laughs> you know? backyard. And, and, you, and Jack knows this because his wife does an amazing job with flowers in his yard. It's, you should see the place this year. In fact, I, many times I, I've said, you know, I ought to get Mike out here. He could run a workshop here in the backyard. And <laughs> yeah. Maybe we ought to do that one. <laughs> yeah, your wife's got a knack for planting really cool stuff and yeah, we uh i have to tell everybody a funny story um mike was doing an art show in ohio and i said well why don't you stay with me and a couple nights it'll keep your costs down and and you'll be close and what have you so he came out a day early so when we did the blog thing many years ago and um he got in about noon if i remember right yeah it was raining about one o'clock in the afternoon, it just exploded, thunder and lightning, and unbelievable stuff. So I, I, we had an above-ground little pond in our backyard, and I happened to have walked down there in the morning and to look at the lily pads and the other stuff. And you know, I looked around. I said, "Yeah, it's nothing here to interest me. It's kind of kind of complicated and cluttered." And so I, you know, I didn't take any photographs. So I went back. Mike shows up. And Mike just took a walk, and I'm watching him from my deck, and he's walking around. He sees this lily thing, and and then I don't see him for half an hour. And I said, what are you doing? He goes, well, I took a shot down there, and I looked at the image. And I said, oh, my God. I said, how come I didn't see that? <laughs> and, and I realized that to shoot close-up images, you've got to think. You've got to learn to see. Uh, and I, I don't know if someone john like you and i who really do more landscape than anything mm -hmm. else it can turn that ability to see close up on and off and that's where mike is uh that's where mike is separates himself from the rest of the pack you know we all we always say that photographers in general see differently than the rest of the people i mean we see a lot of images but i tell you macro close-up folks see even differently than regular photographers yeah. do and uh it, it's an amazing ability. Mike, didn't you use yeah. that lily pad image in your first book? Yeah. 
yeah, there was a awesome image. Um, I actually got two really good images out of that that yeah. pond. And, and Jack doesn't uh, he doesn't mention that about a hundred feet from that pond was the side side of a forty thousand square foot mansion that was owned by LeBron James, the <laughs> basketball player. Yeah. So every time I see that image, I, I have that big mansion <laughs> in my my mind when I'm looking at that thing. Yeah, but we, the only thing we had in common was the creek. My yeah, right. Now the thing is about seeing is I, I used to always think to myself that I can teach people all about the camera stuff and I can teach them about, you know, maybe where to find subjects and that, but I can't really teach them to see things when they go out into the field, you know. Uh, but I, I actually think that you can develop that by, and, and I think I've developed it, um, you know, by just being out there a lot and, and seeing it and, and just visually, you know, seeing everything around you and, and studying everything around you. And I think you can develop that um, you don't have to have a, you know, people say, well, you have a natural talent for this. I says, well, if I did, then the first three years that I was shooting, I would have some of those works, those images on my, my website, but I don't. So I spent three years shooting and not one of those images are on my website today. Yeah, so I, I was, I was learning to see. Yeah. John and I go through the same thing. And, and we tell folks you can practice Well, you practice when you're driving along and you look, look out at the field and yeah. just stop and say, well, you know, there's an image right here and here's what I'm right. saying. You can practice. It's practice. And, and you know, especially with macro close-up stuff for me, it's, uh, it's really about slowing down. You know, yeah. you, you walk right. past a hundred with each step, you can walk past a hundred different shots right. in the close-up world. And so if you, everybody would just slow down and pay attention to what's around you in a very small area, you can start to develop that. I agree with you, Mike. Yeah, and, and like I was saying, that when I kind of gave up on the landscape and I put 100% of my time into macro, of course, you know, I, I developed the scene part. Like, like I said, after that first three years, I was doing macro, landscapes, and wildlife. And then when I dedicated all my time to just macro, then that's when it started to kick in for me. So I think anybody can develop that. Uh, it's just a matter of being willing to put the time in and that's what i did i was out there every day shooting and and that's that's the key to this right it yeah. is practice yeah, yeah. so right. mike let me ask you what uh so where do you find inspiration for some of this or would you can you target something that's that's sort of inspiring to you and shooting macro or well you know when I started out, I, I, I got this fascination for leaves, and Jack, he knows this, because I, I was considered the leaf guy on the naturephotographers.net, because every day I was posting leaf images, and so, um, I don't know, that that was one of the main subjects that really got me turned on when I was doing macro was leaves, and I've got hundreds of leaf images, and they're all different, and they're all, you know, because uh, each leaf is a little different, and each background was a little different, so it made it really interesting for me, but I like plant life. I'm not real big on flower photography, even though I have to do it, because the majority of the people that come to my workshops, they want to do flower photography, so I, I, I but I personally um, don't get into flower photography that much and i'm not really big on shooting uh bugs uh you know i do it again just to kind of round out my portfolio but uh i'm not really big on it. i'm more into plant life and like i say the leaves and 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 some of the interesting abstracts i find in plants and that but i also found that those didn't do very well uh when you're doing abstracts they didn't do very well as far as selling they, they don't even do that well showing other photographers a lot of times and um uh, my my um, soft focus flowers, I like that style, but again, only appeals to macro photographers, doesn't appeal to people outside of 
of photography. And sometimes even in contests that uh, I've had people in workshops tell me they've entered soft focus flower shots into their contests at their clubs and, and the judges will say that they wish there was more in focus. And it's just a style that a lot of people don't get into. So kind of the things that I like aren't really that popular, uh, but I still do them for me. Um, but the things that did the best were the main subjects, like I said, that were easily identifiable and, and could people could connect to. And, uh, and then with an interesting background, th those did really well for me. Nice. Mike, in my uh, guest bedroom of all the homes that I've lived in, and it's been quite a few, um, is your leaf. Remember the brown leaf uh, overlap image you did on the light box? Yeah, yep. That's still hanging here in the house. Yeah. I've got a that, guest that, here this weekend. It's in that room, and that's a Mike Motes photograph, Doug. That image is owned by Hewler Packard. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> yeah, they bought the rights to it. <laughs> so you don't even own it anymore? No. <laughs> uh, I, I, kept the, I retained the rights to sell it as a print, uh, uh, but, uh, I, yeah, they bought the full rights to it, and for all advertising, that is. Good for you. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so, that was a really cool image. <laughs> it's a great shot. It's yeah. a, you know, one thing about Jack is I've always admired is that he's he's really good at promoting other photographers, and that's not something that you see happen a lot with photographers. Agreed. Um, so Jack's Jack's one of those rare people that will actually you know uh, purchase images from other photographers and hang them on his walls. How many photographers do that, right? Above my bed is a Mark Adams shot. And yeah. Here my office i got a couple of mine but i also have one of guys guy towels yeah. shots and, yeah and, you know or, i know where my stuff looks like i don't you know I, I like to look at other people's stuff i get tired of looking my own my at my own yeah. stuff yeah know? but most photographers would not you know hang other photographers work on their walls yeah well so, better, so better than i could have done <laughs> it's nice that jack is the type that uh yeah. willing to promote other photographers well, thank you, and that's why you know you're here in a minute. Here, I'm going to get we're going to get Mike to talk about uh, some of the, what he's got coming up. Um, Mike, I don't want to get into the gear thing. You, you and I, John, have the same philosophy that you know you work with what you have, and it's going to work for you if you know what to do with it. Yeah. But as far as uh, some of the little accessories that people use in close-up photography, do you use focusing rails no no because those are mainly for people that are doing the high magnification where you're you're in super close to your subject and you have to move the camera just a fraction you know yep. then the rail comes in but for close-up you know we can just literally move the tripod back and forth without any issues so you don't need that heavy rail up there to have to cart that thing around plus they're expensive to buy a good one i mean you can spend 600 bucks on a good one mm -hmm. exactly. yeah um, do you use things like plamps or? Yeah. Yeah, the plamp is great. Um, and what I like about the plamp is they redesigned, you know, we talked about this in the past. Uh, the original plamp had a fairly decent uh, clamping system to hold like a reflector or a diffuser if you wanted to. It you know, had green, the green and blue. Well, I think, no, 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 I think the original were, were green. Yeah, because you had a few of them, and I think some of people were offering you 50 bucks for them, and you wouldn't well, they, sell them. They are. They're quite collectible because yeah. what happened is uh, I think something happened with the patent or something, and um, I think it's – what was it Weberly that made those? I think it was. Yeah, Wimberly. 
Yeah, so then they came out with something like a clothespin, which crushed the stem, and you really didn't want to use it. And now the new ones are superb. They're, oh, they're really good. Yeah. So I've gone back to the uh, plant again, and that works great for holding diffusers, for diffusing light, reflecting light. Uh, works great for clamping on a stem of a plant to keep it from blowing and that's kind of what we did last month in madeline island you know i had i had plants and i had everybody using plants to hold the flowers steady you still get some petal movement but at least it's not swaying back and forth like it would be without the plant on there um so that works really well i use the vanguard tripod only because it has the um the center post that that goes horizontal and then it can be moved up and down in the horizontal position and so that works really well um as you know for my tripod yeah. Jack, Jack loves center posts, by the way, as you probably know, Mike. Well, yeah, yeah but see, a center post in landscape is, is different a, than macro. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you use a center post in landscape, you no longer have a tripod. You have a monopod. But in a, yeah. my system, he needs the flexibility to go side to side. And, yep. Yeah. yeah. Plus, I tell people, like, for landscape photography, you, you could be out in some pretty heavy, windy conditions. And if you've got that camera up three feet from the center uh, you could have some movement from the wind, but when we're out shooting, typically we, we're not going to be out on windy days shooting. If it's really windy, we're not typically out, um, so we don't really have the problem of camera movement from wind and that, like you do in landscape photography. Mike, tell everybody what camera you use. I use an old. It's about eight years old. It's a D seven thousand Nikon camera, and so, uh, like twelve. Me- I think it's no, maybe sixteen megapixel. You know, it's 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 it works great. Um, so everybody go to Mike's website and, and drool over his images and yeah. then understand what he's making them with. It's an amazing yeah. concept. I, I am like total opposite of every other photographer. Any instructor that you take a workshop from will tell you you should shoot raw images. All your stuff should be in raw. Uh, I've never shot raw. All my images are JPEGs. Uh, I shoot at f32, which everybody says you shouldn't shoot at high f-stops because you get diffraction, and I do it all the time. I don't have any problem with it. Um, so everything that you're taught in most workshops, I do the opposite. <laughs> and, but it's worked pretty well for me. <laughs> well, I have to tell you that I shoot raw files and I shoot JPEG files. Uh-huh. And about 80% of the time these days, the JPEGs are doing really well. Yeah, Once yeah. in a while, you get that one shot where you... You know, you got some crazy highlights. You got to deal with some stuff, and the raw might work a little better. But I totally agree with Mike. The JPEGs that are coming out of these cameras these days are they're beautiful, quite amazing. Well, the thing is with macro photography is we don't run into high dynamic range. I don't have an issue with exposure. My my images come out of my camera perfectly exposed throughout the whole image because I don't work with high dynamic range. Landscape photographers, on the other hand, have a big problem with high dynamic range. Got yeah. bright skies and dark foregrounds and midgrounds, and they got a lot of issues with the uh, adjusting the exposures in those different areas. So the raw file carries more information for them to go ahead and make their exposure adjustments throughout the image. But I don't run into that issue. So for me, JPEGs work fine. Any other accessories that you use that we didn't think I didn't think about or anything? Um, I, I'm using an LED light occasionally now. You know, a little small. Yeah. Uh, the one I use is a Lytra. It's called it's a little tiny cube. Yep. And sometimes I'll throw a little light into the subject, side lighting maybe maybe underneath over top. Uh, and that so that's something I don't use flash systems. I've always used natural light on all my images. Uh, but occasionally now I'll carry a little 
a little Lytra uh, light, and that works pretty well. Yeah. yeah, I've started carrying a little rechargeable uh, light that'll fit into a hot shoe, or I can handhold it for just doing yeah. that sort of thing. And they're super handy. Oh yeah, and and they're getting so much smaller and more compact than the, when they originally came out. They were a big thing. Yeah, uh, you know, they originally came out with LED lights to put on the top of your camera for video for a constant yeah. light source. Yeah, like twenty bucks. I mean, they're not expensive. No, no, they're yeah. useful. Like when they first came out, they were like four hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mike, where do you down the road? Where are things? You know, you and I've been around a little bit. I'm a little, probably a little bit older than everybody else in the world here. But where, where, where's where are we going? Um, um, you know, I've been traveling now. You know, all over the country doing these workshops and part. Part of the problem that I run into is all the stuff that I carry because I'm doing these indoor workshops where I have props and I've got boxes full of props and I, I sell equipment in my workshop so I have boxes full of equipment and and it's just very difficult to try to fly to these workshops and ship everything back and forth so I drive to all of them and it's just getting old after a while driving um, and so I, I want to cut back on the workshops where I have to travel long distances to, and I try to stay closer to home the last couple of years. And I've actually cut out a lot of my workshops. This year here, I've only done maybe uh, three three boot camps, macro boot camps, and I've done a few photo conferences, but I've cut way back. And, and that's something that I want to maybe do less of in the future, driving so much. But uh, I've been doing this online uh, I, I thought it would be kind of cool to set up a, a a photo club, a macro photo club, but do it through online instead of where you go to a meeting once a month with you know at a local church or whatever where they have a camera club meeting. Uh, it'd be a camera club, but it would be all online. And so I've been doing that for about a year and a half. No, I think it's about two years now, um, and that's worked out really well. We've got over 1,300 members. It's a so one one time fee of seventy nine dollars, and what they get is a uh, hundred. Right now I'm up to hundred and eighty instructional videos uh, wow. that cover, cover macro uh, in in terms of um, uh, subject matters as far as uh, composition, um, post processing. I've got videos on post processing. Uh, I've got tips from the field. It's called where I'm actually out in the field showing how I'm shooting a subject and what f-stop I'm using and working backgrounds. Um, and then there's uh, another one. I forget the name of the other. There's four categories that they're divided up into. But there's 180 videos, and and also we have 12 sponsors. And each month, uh, a sponsor gives me something that I can give away. You know, raffle off to our members. And then we have a Facebook page uh, that's only for our members of our club. And we've got, out of the 1,300, we've got about 600 people that are on the Facebook page, and they're posting their images on there and uh, communicating with each other, and they can ask questions, and, and we'll help them with any questions they have. Uh, and then we have a theme of the month uh, where they can post, uh, you know, within that theme on the uh, Facebook page. So this, this month it's contrast. And so they're posting images that have color contrast, light and dark contrast, um, uh, soft soft things against rough things contrast and and so it's it's kind of like based on a, a camera club you'd go to locally where you live but it's online um and and the teachings happen through the videos and then i'm adding more videos all the time i'm always out doing more videos so and how, how do you sign up for that 
Um, you can go to my website, and at the top where all the links are, you'll see a macro photo club. Uh, and you click on that, and it'll give you the information about the club and that. And uh, you can go ahead and uh, sign up through there. We're gonna put uh, we'll put that on our show notes, so anybody that's hearing this that wants to join, what I sounds like is a really really cool thing. I, I wish I had the time, Mike. I'd join, mm-hmm. um, but uh, we'll put that up for everybody, and hopefully they'll. Um, sign up and, and learn it's it sounds like it's a great thing yeah we'll yeah, post but, it on our page as well as it's tinylandscapes.com is your website yeah. correct yep. yep yep and you know you know um video when it started to come out a few years ago there was like uh, brian peterson and rick sam and some of those guys were doing videos and i saw them on youtube and when i saw those videos i thought you know what that's the way to teach people because you could see it actually happening just like you were there uh, whereas when I was doing ebooks, you would just kind of explain it on a page and might show a few pictures, but the videos are so much better at teaching people. And I went through the process of, you know, getting a, I got a Canon recorder and, you know, lavalier mics, wireless lavalier mics. And, and I had to learn how to use Premiere to edit all these videos. And <laughs> it took me a while to figure it all out. And it was a hassle and I didn't really yeah. want to do it, but I thought that's really the way we need to teach people is through video and then this whole camera club thing came along because i thought hell i can put together a club and teach people through the videos on the club and and it's worked out really well so far and it keep every day i get people signing up for it oh that's well, great i've seen mike in action and his his way of explaining things kind of reminds me of back in the day with with guys like john shaw who made things very simple and Make yeah. you know this is not ultra complicated what we're trying right. to do. Yep. It really isn't. We're yeah, not, you're right. Because I have people say that you know, uh, incurable diseases here. We're, we're yeah. You know. We're, yeah, people say that all the time. They go, "That macro is really complicated." I go, "Well, no, not really." <laughs> I says, "I'm going to teach you how to do it. It's pretty simple." <laughs> it's, it's time. It's all time. Everything's a factor of time. Yeah, it's a time of practice. But you know, like we always talk about, you know. We teach about equipment and, and, and composition and all that, but it's really the difference between the people that are doing well and the ones that are not are really coming through the seeing part, like we were saying, right. is being able to see good subject matter, finding good subjects. Um, and, and that's the difference uh, right there. And so a lot of, you know, I, if I post something on my website about some new camera or some new lens or something in the macro equipment, I get tons of people will hit that blog post. Yep. But if I post something about composition or composing and, you know, uh, finding subjects, I get far less people coming to read that. And they got it totally backwards. They should yep. be learning more about seeing and, and composing good images and not and less about their equipment. Yeah, The equipment gives you the chance to take a good photograph. It does. Yep. It does. You know, I've got a long-running debate with a, a photography friend of mine, too, who – he he will consistently spend money on gear, but he won't spend money on experiences or travel or trips or workshops. Yep. And I'm like, you know, you can have all the great gear that you want, but unless you get out and use it and learn how to use it well, eh, yep. what's the point? Yeah. So, well, some I've people just want to own stuff. I've said that many times that people spend thousands and thousands of dollars on equipment and no money on education. Yeah. To learn how to use that. And how to make images, 
and you'll have people, you know, even my workshops, my, my macro boot camps in the hotels are only 200 bucks. But you still have people say, oh, wow, $200? I don't have $200. But you spent thousands of dollars buying your equipment. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want to spend 200 bucks to learn how to do macro photography. The polarizer on the camera might be 200 bucks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's expensive. Well, Mike, I want to get into when we uh, get to the end here, which we're getting there. Um, just on some of the events that you, you have coming up and, and such, but I have a non-photography question. Mm -hmm. What do you do when you're not holding a camera? Um, I, you know, I talked about all the outdoor activities I did prior to getting into photography. That's kind of what I do. You know, I like to do mountain biking. Um, um, I got kayaks. I go out kayaking. So anything outdoors, um, those are probably the two two big things is biking and kayaking uh and then just generally hiking just going out and hike you, uh, you go you go always carry a camera or do you no 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 all those times when i'm out either biking hiking kayaking any of that type of outdoor stuff i i don't bring a camera i just go out for the fun of doing what i'm doing and yeah, yeah. because i'm not really in that mental mode you know for photographing yep um, and, and I, I wrote a little article, a blog the other day about solitude and about when I go out into nature, I, I, I don't, I don't want people around me. I just want me alone in nature. And that's where I get to see, uh, I, I, I'm just more in tune with what's happening around me. But if I'm out there biking or hiking or walking real fast, you know, and stuff like that, I, I tend to not pay attention to things around me. So, uh, cameras doesn't go out that time. Probably a good a good uh, thing for us all to do would be to do that. So, yeah, just experience in nature. I mean, that's what we yeah. got into it for. Um, let's just briefly talk about what you have coming up. Um, I know in the fall you do your big macro conference. I think I did one of those for you a few years ago. Yep. Two but years I know ago. you got one coming again this year. So talk talk about what you have coming up so the folks can. Uh, can make some notes and, and, yeah. and come see you. Yeah, I'm kind of like you, Jack, where I do help promote other photographers. And, you know, I'm not one of these people that, you know, I don't want to, you know, I just want everybody to pay attention to me and not know about other photographers. And I've always promoted other macro photographers through my blog. And, and, I, and I do this conference where I bring in, uh, this year we've got eight speakers coming in. And it's all macro photography for two days. Uh, and so I've introduced a lot of macro photographers to all these people that have been at this conference. And the conference, um, the last three years, and this year will, is, is in Cl the Cleveland area. It's near the Cleveland airport. It's about five minutes from the Cleveland airport. And it's at a Crown Plaza Hotel. They have a free shuttle they run from the airport right to the hotel. And they have a, a restaurant right inside. So you don't even have to leave the hotel. Uh, and, and I, and last year we had people from 23 different States that came to this conference and we only limit it to a hundred people because of the, we, we also have over a hundred setups to photograph in the conference. And so we have to limit how many people, cause we can't have, you know, 200 people with tripods running around. We'd have to have a room twice as big. And right now we've got like an 8,000 square foot room. That's a big so, room. yeah. So it's, um, it's done really well. This is my sixth year, and it's sold out every year. Um, 
and we're we're actually kind of sold out right now. I'm, I take on extra people because we get cancellations towards the end, and so those extra people fill up those cancellations. But um, it's been real successful every year. And and again, I'm bringing uh, people in that are exposed to different styles of macro photography and different photographers, and and so. Uh, you know, I think that's important that uh, it, it, we should all help each other, you know, expose other photographers to, you know, to people that uh, follow us even. Well, I don't know. You, you said you're sold out, but um, anybody hears this, if you hear it in a hurry, beg Mike to get in. I, I, I can say I spoke at this a couple of years ago. And it's a it was a it was it was a. It's a really great, great event. It really was. Yeah, and your program was amazing because it had all those signs in it. <laughs> well, you know, after laugh so hard. <laughs> you know, at the end of the, I think it was one of the last programs of, if I remember right. And after going through this program for, you know, for forty minutes, everybody's kind of antsy, and I, I always like to kind of end on a little <laughs> bit of levity, you know, and that's. <laughs> yeah, you're. I mean, the, the place was just roaring with laughter the whole yeah. time. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. So other than that, what else do you have coming up? Yeah, and and so well that that it, it's not like I said. It is we've reached our hundred people, but I take on about ten or fifteen more just to fill in for those people that will cancel at the last minute. Um, so we do have uh, still have openings that I'm taking people in for that. So it's not not sold out technically, but um, uh, other than that. Um, the, the program that I was talking about earlier on Madeline Island, they also run workshops out of uh, Tucson, Arizona. And so they booked me for uh, a macro program in the desert there uh, in January. And um, so I'm going to do that. And then I'll be back at my Madeline Island again next year. I've got it booked for next year, too. Um, but uh, I've got a uh, workshop in Louisville, Kentucky. And what's different about that one is it's still a macro boot camp but we also have mike matthews coming in on sunday morning for three hours bringing in his critters he's got frogs and reptiles and he's got setups where he puts them in and with backgrounds and all that and so we're gonna feel like well and boy that's you're gonna love that yeah he's a super super good guy um and he's got amazing critters so he's gonna be coming in on sunday morning for that and that's um it's the last weekend of September, that is. Mm-hmm. And then I got my old Car City workshop uh, in November. I think I only got two openings left in that one. Uh, but old Car City is about 50 miles north of Atlanta, Georgia, a um, couple miles just off of I-75. It's out in rural white Georgia, and it's just an amazing place. It's got 4,200 old cars from back in the 40s nice. uh, sitting, sitting in the woods, and it's just an amazing – I do – Two times a year, I've done them there for eight years, sold out everyone for, you know, uh, 16 workshops in over eight years. It's just a great place. Oh, I'm going to have to come out for that. I love rusty old cars. Well, I'm, you'll love this place then. Mike, remember that old junkyard we hit on the way out to Newport that time? Yeah, With the, yeah. I got some sh- good shots. 1940 Chevys, I think they were, yeah. Yeah, I got some good shots from that. I remember you know, that. One thing for the folks, what, what Mike is talking about this uh, – event on Madeline Island. Um, it's M-A-D-E-L-I-N-E, Madeline Island. Uh, there are a bunch of islands in what's known as the Apostle Islands. I think you fly into Duluth, if I remember right. Yeah. Yeah. From somewhere. And th- that's not booked through Mike. You have to book that through the Madeline Island School of the Arts, 
website. Yeah. John, I'll give you that information. Um, and uh, so you can book book that through them. It doesn't go through Mike, correct? Yeah, because Jack's doing a workshop there too, I think next year, isn't it? Yeah, yeah 20, October 2020. Yeah, yeah, landscape. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's a really cool place though. Yeah, I'll get you that information, John, for the show notes. But for those who are, it's, this is uh, Mike doesn't Mike books everything else, but this has to go through the art school up at Madeline Island. Well, you're busy, man. Good for well, you. Well, I'm not as busy as you are. I don't know about that. Like Twenty five workshops a year. Yeah, something like that. But you know, I thought you were cutting back. <laughs> next year, maybe. Yeah, you always say that. Next year, I'm cutting back. But, you know, I have to tell you, John will verify it. I mean, what you do, what a lot of other people do, we, this is what we do. And, yeah. and, and man, it's, it's, uh, it's a great way to, to, to spend a, you know, a lifetime, you know. It's, it's, yeah. It's nice good. Is, is we can do it into old age, too, you know. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that, you know, but you are, said, you are correct. I always said that. I mean, I could be 80 years old and still just stand up in front of people and talk, <laughs> doing a lecture. People ask you when you're going to retire, and you just laugh at them. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, people that talk about retiring, usually they want to retire really badly because they don't like what they're doing anymore. They're sick right. and tired of it. But, hell, I, I can't ever see getting tired of doing what I'm doing. Well, you know, the byproduct of what we do and I always tell folks, and you know, for me, the images are almost secondary. Yeah. The fun part about it is, is to be able to do a podcast with Mike and, and work with John and, and yeah. get to see, run into, you know, some of my compatriots in the field and get to meet people and go where we go, you know, and that's. Yeah. Yeah, I love going to like the photo conferences and speaking at conferences because you get to see all your buddies and your photographer, fr yeah. uh, you know, friends and and yeah. uh, that camaraderie that comes along with the photography. It's just great. Yeah, speech emails and cell phones. Yeah, it? and you'll be uh, you'll be at the uh, Smoky Mountains Summit this year with all those guys. Yeah, are you? Do you? You got to let me know if you ever want to do that. I can. Oh do yeah, it. yeah. But like I, that, I think that might. Uh, interrupt with what you're doing in Ohio. Well, it, it didn't it um, didn't this year, but it had in the past years that you had contacted me about coming down, but it was the same thing I same weekend I had at my macro conference, but now they have it in the first week I think in uh, in November. It is. Yeah, it so is. it doesn't conflict anymore, but uh if they keep it that way, but um yeah, I would love to come down because it's a I love doing conferences, like I say, because you get to see all these people and talk to a lot of the speakers that I know, and, and that's fun. And if anybody wants that image of Moats uh, taking a, uh, a landscape shot, I will be happy to sell that. Ruin my reputation. <laughs> John, a lot of times when I see a, an image that someone may post on Facebook or Instagram or somewhere, I will refer to when it looks like one of Mike's shots. I will say it's a Motzian type. Yeah, Motzian image, yeah. Yeah, I've heard you say that. It's <laughs> that style, you know. So, yeah. well, anyhow, uh, I think that kicks things in the head for today. What do you think, John? I think we're looking good. Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Well, it's my honor to be here. And I'll we could run into each other here sooner rather than later. Yeah. 
Yeah. If you ever want to do another macro or more, <laughs> I promise you we'll do it in the winter. <laughs> yeah. Well, we did do the Sierras at one time, and that was better. It was yeah. in fall. <laughs> Shorter days. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Maybe can, John, maybe we could talk Mike into doing a workshop with us at some I think point. that would be awesome. I'd love it. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, folks. Hey, thank you all. We'll get the show notes up. Please go and, uh, and, and, and make use of Mike's resources. You'll be a better photographer for it. Yeah. Happy trails. Indeed. Okay, Happy so- trails, everyone. See you later. <laughs> Bye-bye.